When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. We're uh, we're live. We're back in the bleak midwinter for me. A bit beautiful Indian summer for Nick. Uh, it's not a full pod this week, but another WGT Q&A. Nick strikes back. And we're back on uh, YouTube uh, to a live little audience. Uh, so it's been a while now, Nick. Uh, how are you doing? And how was yours and Moses's, most importantly, first Christmas? Hey, mate. Yeah, I had a fantastic Christmas with the family. Um, had the grandparents down and, and Moses was uh, perfectly behaved and, and a real joy, which made me a very proud father. Um, <laughs> just uh, Yeah, really good Christmas. Thanks. Uh, so just okay. to say, um, of course, we are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. Um, you can use Spotify, SoundCloud or wherever you'd like to um, to listen to the pod and subscribe. So what are we talking about today? Cool. Uh, so we're on for, what, 30 to 45 minutes, just this uh, New Year's Eve Eve, uh, just talk about our teams, market forces, answer some questions from our lover and lovely Twitter following, which has just reached 18,000, Nick, which is absolutely ridiculous given uh, how we started, what, 18 months ago? I can't believe that we've we've gotten there. And uh, we just also want to say thanks to everybody um, who tuned into the FPL show this week when I was on with the experts, with David, with Jules and with James uh, to talk FPL. It was really good fun, even though it was quite tiring because it was on at midnight um but yeah um just a quick kind of wgt q a today sounds perfect yeah eighteen thousand followers in in 18 months is absolutely fantastic so thanks uh, for all the guys who've been following and, and listening um to the pod and i hope you enjoy it so yeah and thanks for also for all the all the questions this uh this game week guys so um shall we start then with the game week reviews uh so what happened for you this game week uh what's happened in the past few because it's been a few since we last podded I mean, do I need to talk about this, Nick? I mean, I, I don't really want to, to be honest with you. It's been um, it's been pretty poor, as you know well. Um, I've been complaining at you and, and many people about what's been going on. And I, I, I mean, it, it does happen every now and again. It's been quite a downturn in my fortune, shall we say, from a season high of uh, uh, inside top 50k in game week 12. I'm now lingering around 400k. So I've uh, increased my rank by tenfold. And the higher the rank, the better you are, right? No, no, that's it's 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 very very annoying. Um, I think selling Salah was obviously a bit of a mistake. I mean, after that, it it just kind of went downhill. Like, I think every week I've been set up and thinking, yeah, you know, I've I've got a really good team, and I do have a good team full of good players. It's just for whatever reason I've been missing out on that one or two, those one or two players who have been pushing things home. Um, not having Salah has obviously been an absolute pain in the posterior, and from that point onwards, it's it's just been quite bad. Um, you know, as you kind of tend to say to me, is that you've got to keep calm and follow the template. And I don't think I've been quite doing that. Like I've been 
uh, it's obviously not a mitigation point because everyone is busy, but I have been very busy over Christmas work-wise and family-wise, even though my, and even my Twitter output, Nick, has diminished by 33%. I'm only averaging 70 tweets a day rather than 100. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I've, I've, uh, it, it's just kind of, um, I felt like I've been a part, I've been away from it in some ways, and that has definitely impacted my rank. I've not been as close as I could have been. I haven't done as well as I should have done. Um, but, you know, by the by, uh, that's just the way it is. I'm hoping 2019 is better. In contrast, you have absolutely you smashed it how are you doing oh yeah i've done done pretty well to be honest <laughs> it has not been the, not been the worst christmas in terms of my fpl rank and uh, my game weeks uh, so yeah i've had um quite a few small green arrows only one red actually in the last seven and um that was actually caused by my lack of coverage in that everton spurs game where only had luca dean um who got a minus one and that, that was a bit of a disaster game for me not having any of those Spurs players, but I sorted it out um, the next game week by bringing in um, Son Heung-min, who um, smashed it again. And uh, Luca Dean more than made up for it by his 17 points um, in that brace in the next game. So, yeah, a few sort of savvy decisions, I guess, that have paid off for me um, in the most recent game weeks. Um, Sterling's sort of like a one-week punt for me, which didn't work out. But um, I ditched him immediately for Son. also sold for Fraser for um, Paul Pogba this game week, who was um, excellent for me. I think um, one of the critical decisions that sort of stood me out against some of the other guys is that I kept Salah. And I've captained him for the last couple of game weeks and, and that's really brought in the points as well. So, yeah, 80, 81 in, in game 19, 65 um, this game week, which is pretty decent, I think. Um, and breaking into the top 50k, yeah, it's, um, it's not been bad at all, to be honest. <laughs> so very, yeah, very contrasting fortunes between both of us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been a few kind of sliding doors moments, haven't there? Like, you know, we were talking about um, my decision to bring in De Bruyne off stream, um, you know, and bringing in... Uh, uh, Son that week would have been a lot better, and then two weeks ago to top it all off, you know, Martial or Pogba was the choice in front of me, and I thought, you know what, if I get Martial in, I've got 0.6 million to spend on further transfers forward. So I bought Martial in, and guess what? He has a dodgy Coco van over Christmas, uh, misses training, doesn't show up, isn't in the Lowry Hotel despite living just five minutes away. And uh, you know, all hell breaks loose, basically. So it's it's been a, it's been pretty chastening. Um, uh, so what are you doing um, this week, then, Nick? What are your transfers in mind, and who's your captain going to be for game week twenty one? Uh, before we get into the questions, or well, market forces first, then questions. Yeah, that's fine. So um, frustratingly, actually, due to the the price changes, I'm zero point one short now of the key move that I wanted to make this game week, and that was Sané to Hazard. So. Um, Sané didn't play today, which was really annoying. Where he came off the bench, got one point, which you know, doubly annoying, I guess. But yeah, he didn't play today, and, and Manchester City have, have not been the best in the most recent game weeks. They've been definitely out of form. So I was going to ditch um, Sané because they've got Liverpool, and I was going to bring in Eden Hazard if possible for Chelsea's nice home match against Southampton. But unfortunately, yeah, zero point one short. So I've been looking at a few ways oh, of, of how to fund it. Very painful, very painful. Yeah, I, was I was tempted to take a minus four um, this game week and, and do that move, but um, I resisted taking the hits because I was worried I was going to end up in this situation, but then has it blanked anyway, so kind of got away with that. But, I mean, there's a couple of options out there. I guess one is perhaps setting success and getting in camera or Quayne or something like that to fund Ooh, it, which is a bit of a horror. Yeah, I don't really like that. It's sort of like a single transfer hit. 
Um, and then the other option, and it depends on Snodgrass actually, because Snodgrass, um, I was very tempted to rage transfer him out after his zero pointer today. But um, there's rumours that he was actually um, substituted for non-tactical reasons. So it depends if he's sort of declared injured for the next fixture. Maybe I'll um, turn him into Brooks because Brooks has been sort of the informed Bournemouth player and they've got Watford next. So that's an option perhaps um, of a minus four doing Sané Tazard's not cross to Brooks. But if I don't, if I don't do that, I'll, I'll then end up perhaps rolling the transfer because the week later I'm going to have to sell Son. They've got Manchester United, but if I sell him, um, I can turn him into perhaps Philippe Anderson or Richardson who I haven't owned and then turn Sané into Hazard um, without taking a hit. So, you know, that's, um, that's another option that I'm weighing up is just rolling the transfer, holding on to Sané for another game week and, and hoping that Hazard doesn't smash it against Southampton. Yeah, that no, would definitely make sense. Like with, with Sane, it was just again very unlucky that Pep decided to pep <laughs> to some extent there. Like as as I mentioned on the FPL show, like he'd had what three big chances in the last two game weeks, and he was topping that metric alongside uh, Delafeu, who got another assist. Um, and those eight minutes on the pitch were so worth it, weren't they? Cheers, Pep. I mean, it cost me one point, uh, but I'm sure that cost lots of people. You know, like Jimenez off the bench or Doherty off the bench or something like that. Um, so I can see why. You know that would have been very, very annoying for a lot of people. Um, I guess for, for me, this for me this week, I'm gonna I'm, I'm sold. Uh, KDB is gone. Uh, Pogba's in. Just, just so I've got Man United to double up with Pogba and Martial now. I think that might just be worthwhile because to be honest with you, they've really revolutionised the game, haven't they? The Man United uh, midfielders coming in, actually bothering to show up now. Mourinho's gone. He's shouting as Alan Part- as Partridge FPL said, "Respect, respect, respect" at the TV now. But uh, OGS has really changed things there and really like, galvanised them, hasn't he? And you know, having two of them, I think, is probably a decent move. I'm probably going to bring Hazard in myself just because of the next two games being so good. Like uh, Southampton um, at home, I think that that's that's very likely to be a bit of a massacre, isn't it? Um, And Newcastle at home as well in game week 22. Those are two very, very good games and two captionable games um, for Martial. It'll be very interesting to see what your views are actually, Nick, later on on. uh, Whether I should be looking at him or um, or Aubameyang uh, for the armband uh, next week. Um, But I'm probably going to do that and go Cityless for the time being. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens after Liverpool game, um, but you know, it, for, for me as a non no seller uh, team uh, team owner, uh, a non seller at the owner at the moment, I think it's probably time to be bringing him back in. Um, but I guess most importantly, so I'm probably part of the market forces having brought in Pogba. Um, how are the market forces looking at the moment, Nick? How are people reacting to the game week that's just gone? So, yeah, um, there has actually been a bit of an explosion in terms of the market forces. I think it's been the most frantic market forces I've seen um, perhaps this season with uh, Paul Pogba, um, especially. There's just been droves and droves of people um, transferring him in. And uh, unbelievably, he's actually already had over 239,000 transfers in at time of recording, which is, is quite ridiculous considering the match only finished like perhaps like four, four or so hours ago. So there's just been an absolute you know, charge of people thinking Pog was the man to bring in. And, uh, you know, like, he's just been smashing it, hasn't he, since uh, Marino's left, his three assists and then a brace, and now in this game week, a, a brace and an assist. And, and United's fixtures are still pretty reasonable. Newcastle up next, uh, then they've got Spurs, but then it's Brighton at home, Burnley at home, Leicester away. So, you know, there's potential for returns, and, he, and he's very easily 
you know, very kindly priced at 8.1 or 8.2. So people aren't having to spend a lot of money to bring in this guy. But, um, you know, there's, there, of course, there's those sacrificial lambs. There are always those sacrificial lambs every game week. Um, Sané is the main man at the moment, um, having been transferred out. A lot of people like myself annoyed that he didn't play. Um, and, you know, the, as you said, the underlying stats are good for him, but he just hasn't been returning in the most recent game weeks. Uh, blank against Crystal Palace, blank against Leicester, and now one pointer against Southampton. And they've got Liverpool up next, so it's a very tough fixture. So he's had um, over 76,000 transfers out. Sterling, for similar reasons, uh, also being transferred out um, en masse with uh, 62,000 transfers out at the time of recording. And also some of the other um, cheaper players within the midfield, uh, Fraser and Richardson, also suffering heavy transfers out for uh, perhaps Pogba. But also uh, Felipe Anderson, who, despite a blank this game week, um, had 61,000 transfers in this game week. So Fraser's had over 50, over 59,000 time recording. Richardson over 56,000. But Felipe Anderson seems to be um, attracting a fair amount of attention still. Uh, with uh, 61,000 transfers in, despite the blank against Burnley. Hang on, so 61,000 transfers in for uh, 61,000 transfers in, transfers in for Fanderson, but 39,000 transfers out. It's one of those things and one of those times, isn't it? The managers are kind of almost just flaying around, aren't they? Not really too sure what's doing this midfield uh, mid-price bracket. I mean, I completely understand to some extent what people are doing with Richarlison, but if you watch the game, he it perhaps wasn't the game for him. But he was very close on a lot, number of occasions. He is still top out of position, of course, uh, for Pembox touches over the last six. Uh, he's also top for attempts over the last six. He's also top for attempts in the box over the last six. I mean, Everton don't uh, have a top six team that they face until game week 27. They play Man City. Uh, they've got a run of fixtures involving Leicester, Bournemouth, Southampton, Huddersfield, Wolves and Watford. These are all games in which he could return. Um, and I'm a bit... I don't know. I'm a bit, bit sceptical about people moving him out. I, I can understand perhaps why people might be looking at Philippe Anderson and thinking, oh, OK, well, I can probably just about afford Pogba here. I've got to do it. But removing Richarlison does seem a bit like reactionary. Like, What do you think about that? Yeah, it does seem a little bit reactionary. He's definitely on my watch list still. I only owned him one week this season where he decided to get a minus two because that game week he chose to headbutt someone. But um, ever since then, I have been thinking about how I can fit Richarlison in, um, you know, what my Richarlison plan is to a certain extent. And I've kind of just continually actually ignored him and just hoped that he wouldn't return. And generally, I've kind of half got away with it some game weeks, other game weeks I've been punished. So he's one of those that I think is definitely worth owning. I think he's definitely a hold. If you do own him, I wouldn't really look about selling him for sure. And I, I'm still considering um, him as an option, perhaps uh, for bringing him in. But I think it is just this this mad rush of Pogba that seems to be driving people a bit crazy. People are looking at him. <laughs> yeah. Who can I sacrifice? Richardson? Yeah, he'll do um, to get Pogba in. So yeah, it's a bit it's a bit nuts. Um, the other one actually that's being transferred in in the midfield um, worth mentioning is uh, Mo Salah. Um, so he's had over 58,000 transfers. Oh, Nick was very excited by Mo Salah being transferred and he appears to have left the stream. Wow. Um, yeah, first in 20, 13.2 million uh, pounds, uh, 58,000 transfers in. That's pretty crazy. Let's see where Nick is and see if he's excited uh, by these moves. There he is. What happened? Are you just too, exci- too excited by the transfers out by uh, transferring of Sally? You're just like, right, I've got more. <laughs> I was, I, yeah, I'm trying to navigate. <laughs> 
trying to navigate tabs and accidentally closed <laughs> one. <laughs> they were sham. I'm looking at the numbers whilst talking. It's not just straight out of my head. I just have to uh, point it out. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, exactly. It leads to me. Yes, apparently just said that some reaction to Salah. I think that's yes, I'm just true. quoting quoting numbers off the top of my head all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, so, anyway, yeah. Uh, live broadcast and all. Um, yeah. So Mo Salah, fifty-eight thousand transfers in. <laughs> I'm actually thinking it's it's very interesting with him because obviously they've got Manchester City up next, which is a tougher game. And uh, we've seen that City have been continually conceding each game week and haven't had a clean, clean sheet actually since game week 13. So it's every chance that Salah could return again. But perhaps um, a lot of managers like yourself are actually thinking, um, I'm going to give it one more game week before I bring him in. So we could see a massive resurgence in most Salah purchases after this game week. So this could be like, you know, people getting him in early, hoping, um, you know, just saying, right, in, it's Manchester City, but it's Mo Salah. He's, he's continuing smashing, you know, I can't can't afford to not have him in anymore. But I reckon after game week 21, we, we might see a massive rise in terms of his uh, his transfers on the market forces. I wouldn't be too surprised by that. Like Salah is what now the second uh, highest owned player after Alonso. I think that's what 1.3% in it. When we looked at it earlier on today, it's probably going to be about 1% now. Maybe if there's some Alonso sales, that might happen. You're right about Man City. Like I think like anecdotally and just from watching them, they have a long period, don't they, when they keep clean sheets. And then after that, they just go into this kind of tailspin where they allow one chance and that one chance does go in. Like we saw today, we saw the other day as well. I mean, they are currently, they're not doing too bad, like middle of the form table uh, for for defending. But in terms of big, big chances conceded, which is what I kind of look at, because that tends to be uh, how, uh, how good your defence is at stopping those kind of point blank chances. They're level with the likes of Burnley, uh, level with the likes of Cardiff, and level with the likes of Arsenal. So all rubbish teams there. Um, and they're, uh, yeah, they're not doing particularly well. Um, in terms of that, and I'm very glad I told Edison. Then we got that precious, uh, precious save point, didn't we, from Fabianski this week, Nick? Which was uh, obviously worthwhile. Um, I was a bit annoyed actually because I was looking at um, Efridge a little bit. Um, I didn't do it. I, I wasn't looking at him enough to bring him in. But yeah, he, he then went on to save the penalty and record a monster score this week again. Sliding doors. Yeah. Sliding doors. I'm sure, you're looking at uh, Lossel as well, weren't you? <laughs> oh no, I definitely wasn't looking at Lossel. Dear me, four point four. I mean, they they're, they're terrible, aren't they? Seventeen big chances uh, conceded for mm. Huddersfield alongside uh, Luca Dean's Everton. Uh, so yeah, not particularly uh, not particularly encouraging. Right. Uh, should we get on to the questions then, Nick? And the first one this week is uh, from Mr. WP. Um, he's back from his short-lived FPL retirement. Uh, he jacked it in after dropping uh, 20k places, but he, he came back after a 50-point game week uh, to ask us simply this, should Kane go? Uh, a lot of people obviously looking at Harry Kane off, and after the last game against Wolves, of course, uh, didn't have a single penalty error touch, uh, had one shot, it went in the rest of the game, good link-up play, but that was kind of it. And people are looking at him and thinking, well, especially if uh, most people who own Kane don't own Salah. So you're thinking, well, 12.5, whatever it is for Kane, 13.2 for Salah, I can probably make that leap. Is it worth doing? As a Spurs fan, Nick, what's your assessment of Kane? And uh, should people be looking to come off him if they don't own him? I don't think it's the right moment really to be selling Kane if you do own him. I think it actually, it's actually showing pretty decent form in terms of the attacking returns and he does have Cardiff up next. doesn't feel like the right game week to be selling him, to be honest. He's got four goals and two assists in, in Lost War, which really isn't that bad. 13 goals, five assists over 
the last 20 game weeks so over the season so nearly return every game week and in terms of the online stats in terms of shots he's second full forwards with 64 32 of which have been on target which is more than any other forward and even though his xg in the last game was ridiculously low he still managed to score a sort of world-class goal out of nowhere um i guess of course with his price we'd like to have braces lots of hat tricks um which haven't materialized this season but we do know that uh, from previous seasons, he has it in his locker, could do it any time against any club, really. And, and, and Cardiff have done well this season. They kept a few clean sheets, but they also conceded five against United, five against Manchester City, four against Liverpool and four against Chelsea. And Spurs only beat them 1-0 at home, but you could easily see them get absolutely pummeled um, this weekend or this midweek. And um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think it'd be dangerous to, to sell um, Kane at this particular moment in time. And especially if you look into fund likes of Salah, who's got uh, Manchester City, I'd give it at least another week. But even after that, they've got, after Spurs play Man U, they play Fulham, Watford, Newcastle. So, you know, all quite nice fixtures. So perhaps it's not the best strategy to sell him. I don't own him, but I am scared of him still. Yeah, I'm not too surprised by that. I mean, the fact is, that if you look at Spurs' fixtures, if he was returning... Uh, you know, like Salah is now. Like I think a lot of the time before, um, obviously he's recently turned to a god, which coincided with me selling him. So maybe, um, you know, I, I'm to to blame or to be credited with igniting, uh, not igniting the fire beneath the Egyptian king. Um, if Kane was getting those sorts of scores, he would be the sort of man we bring in and sticking in. What is interesting, if you if you are the sort of person who favours home fixtures, is that Kane is that Kane and Spurs have three home games in a row between game weeks twenty four and twenty six. They have Watford, Newcastle, and Leicester at home. If that is at White Hart Lane, New White Hart Lane, if that is ever built the toilet seat, um, then he may well be the man to own during that period. Um, I, I've kept Kane this week. Um, it was a very close run thing between removing him, uh, putting Jimenez in, um, and then uh, you know using that, and then later on uh, using the funds left over from that to buy a Salah next week or uh, buying in Pogba. Went for Kane. Uh, oh, sorry, went for Pogba in. Um, but it, it is quite difficult, isn't it? Looking at the stats and looking at, how he was playing, where he was playing uh, with Son and Ali, basically the strikers, and Kane as the attacking midfielder. Uh, you've got to be wondering about that at 12.5, 12.6. And if you aren't getting those double figure double figure hauls, I think you know they will come. You know, there'll be one or two towards the end of the season. Um, I know it sounds a bit flimsy, but it is because it is Kane. But um, you are probably going to be wondering is there better is there better uh, value for money elsewhere? Like in terms of the shots data, like you quoted the overall, but over the last six, you've got you know the likes of Mitrovic, you've got the likes of Raul Jimenez keeping up with him, especially for shots in the box and penalty box touches as well. You've got a lot of players who are doing a lot better than Kane is. You've even got Marcus Rashford doing better than him, Rolf Sahar doing better than him, and the likes of De Poitra doing better than him. Um, so all of these things are a little bit worrying, aren't they? Yeah, perhaps. But, you know, we know that even though Mitrovic or even Departure is getting as many goal attempts, we know that Kane is a lot more clinical with his shots. And that's why he's the one that's competing for the golden boot currently compared to Mitrovic and Jimenez. I mean, Mitrovic had an easy game but still didn't manage to, to get a goal. He does have the best sort of underlying stats in terms of goal attempts. But you've got to look at like how many were actually on target and Kane is leading that way in terms of shots on target. We know that Kane can score out of nowhere and that's that's illustrated by the goal he scored this game week. And, you know, he's got 13 goals. Um, Aubameyang's got 13. Mitrovic has only eight. I don't think um, Departure, the other person, 
person you mentioned has even scored at all. And otherwise, I'd probably mentioned it as part of my zombie team review. So, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it, I think you can quote lots of stats, but I think it's the key metrics that we got to review. And Kane is top for those key metrics across all forwards. I think it's the only thing that's scared, um, you know, is tough about Kane is his cost. And and if we look at like the Jimenez, like you mentioned, he's half the price. And you can free up six billion. And when we're talking about midfielders, you've got to compare Kane to some of the other midfielders. He is close to matching the stats, but you know, if you want to have Salah, Hazard, and, and Sterling, which would make a really strong midfield, you probably have to sacrifice Kane. No, that definitely makes sense. So I think that probably segues us very well into the question that FPL Prince, FPL Stephen, and uh, how many how many hundreds and thousands of managers, including me, was it uh, buying Pogba? Uh, would ask it. So is Pogba essential? Um, which is obviously quite an interesting one. Uh, so you mentioned to me earlier on, didn't you, that Pogba's stats are, are pretty good um, in terms of creativity and also in terms of goal for So we've got, obviously not got the data quite updated for the match that's just happened, uh, but he was doing rather well, wasn't he, in terms of, uh, well, basically everything. Uh, interestingly, since Mourinho left, um, a very interesting post-match interview, wasn't it, who was asked, so Paul, what's changed? And he said, I don't know. We're playing a bit differently. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you, you, it's your first week of so Pogba, Nick. Um, do you think it's one of those players that it may well be a long-term hold? Well, we'll have to see with Paul Pogba. I mean, he is definitely one of those characters where, you know, he might be in form right now, but it just takes one sort of argument with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and he, he might, you know, throw his toys out the pram, training training room bust up, and, and we don't see him again until the end of the season. Um, where he's sent on loan to Juventus. So uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's very tough with Pogba. Obviously, at the moment, he looks brilliant. He's um, absolutely smashing it in a massive upturn in form um, since Marino um, left, which is clearly not a coincidence at all, is it? But, um, no. but yeah, it is a bit of a joke, to be honest, with this character. But at the end of the day, um, we've got to look at him as an FPL asset and currently as an asset um, to own an FPL. He, he does look like the man to get in this game week. And that's why people are bringing him in his droves. You know, three assists, two goals, two goals and assists and last three, smashing it, absolutely smashing it. Looks really dangerous. And yeah, the underlying stats, like um, you mentioned, Tom, are brilliant for him. Actually, yeah. it was a surprise actually to see them, how brilliant they were when, we were when I was sort of analysing it. But in terms of goal attempts, he's now actually second behind Mo Salah. Um, out of all midfielders with 53 compared to Salah's 68 and more than Hazard who's in third with 51 for shots on target um, he's actually much closer to Salah he's had 29 uh, shots on target compared to Salah's 32 and and Kane's 32 so really really high stats and yeah 8.1 he's immediately affordable so I I think um, I think it's definitely worth um, bringing him in if you if you can, and, and most people should be able to afford him in that price. It's not like um, an eleven million pound player or a ten million pound player where you, you know you might have to rip up your team and sacrifice one of your other players. You can you can bring him in quite easily, and I think um, I did a quick uh, comparison actually with Martial, um, who a lot of people own, and um, Pogba's sort of xG uh, for this season is seven point three compared to Martial's three point seven five. And he's he's making a minute per attempt of twenty six point five compared to Martial's fifty point nine, so sort of double the attacking output currently. Uh, Martial's actually had more penalty box touches with seventy two compared to Pogba's fifty one, and is creating chances more regularly with one every forty two minutes compared to Pogba's fifty six. So there is a case for Martial as well, but I think Pogba. 
for me, um, he is the Manchester United um, sort of midfielder to own, especially um, in their new upturn of form. So I haven't owned a Manchester United player actually all season until now, and it definitely feels like time to even single, um, you know, perhaps even double up on them. Yeah, I mean, what was a bit of a hallmark of Solskjaer at um, Cardiff, which maybe he's learned from now, is there was a lot of rotation, especially around the front uh, around the front areas. Um, with Pogba, you've got a player who, you know, we use the term talisman a lot, and indeed we've done a lot of work on what that means. And I think that Pogba is, if you watch him play football, the talisman, he's the guy who makes that team work, if he can be bothered to play, which he couldn't be bothered to under Mourinho, but he certainly can be bothered to under Solskjaer. And uh, yeah, I, I mean... Uh, he's one of those players, isn't he? That I think you'll find, especially if you are on social media, that everybody's going to own very, very quickly. Um, and you can see why. I mean, they've got Newcastle away and Tottenham away the next two. We may see that people like myself, I've brought him in now, so he's going to get a two pointer without a fail, maybe a red card, who knows? Um, but he has uh, people who are bringing him in may not see those returns immediately. Uh, so kudos to people who've had them for a while, had him for a while. But then uh, Brighton and Burnley at home, game weeks 23 and 24. If he's not injured, he is going to be playing in those, and that is a fairly tasty prospect. And woe betide you if you don't own him, because I, you know, on this form, that's very, very difficult to see anything other than there being a little bit of a problem there um, for you if you don't own him. Um, in terms of these guys, Nick, I think it might be worth meditating on this point just slightly before we move on. Um, they're so cheap, aren't they? And I think that we've been missing that, haven't we? We've been missing that kind of mid-priced player who is nailed and premium compared to you know your Richarlison's of this world or your Felipe Anderson's of this world like do you think that they're going to change the way that we set our teams up because they they basically represent an option which is the same as owning a Sane effectively and you've saved what how much what two million there by having Pogba over Sane like do you think it's going to free things up and make make that kind of the fact that the template may not exist for a while it dissolved what a few game weeks ago like do you see a template forming in time soon with all of these options being available to people well i think the template is ever changing isn't it i think with manchester city suddenly you know a few game weeks ago sterling was a must own and everyone owned him now it seems like there's no manchester city players at all in the template you've even got like the likes of aguero who are quietly sort of saying perhaps he should be in a template you know you've got to watch out for some of these players but at the end of the day i think you know, Pogba will very easily jump into that template at that nice price. Uh, Mo Salah will probably be template again. But, you know, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. The, the template dissolved because there were too many premium assets that are scoring each game week that you couldn't afford them all. So you couldn't say that Kane was template or Bamiyang was template or or um, Hazard even was template. And uh, yeah, I think it's a wait and see. It might even take a couple of injuries and um, for a template to properly form, because I think there's one in defence, but in midfield and attack, it's just it's very much up in the air still. Yeah, I think it's just interesting that we've got what two players over forty percent, and Salah and Alonso, and the rest are a little bit below that. It kind of feels like I mean, a few people have just said on um, on the stream as well that maybe there isn't a template because um, Jerome Hughes has just said, "Oh, there isn't templates." There's so many big uh, hitters firing every week. Gasso has just said, "There's what two, three templates hanging around." Like I think there's a challenger template. There's like a, you know a high a high upper echelon template going on. It is a really interesting and exciting time. And don't forget that we've had so many game weeks in such quick succession that it's basically just the, it's kind of felt 
like the the game's been on uh, been on acid for a while, hasn't it? Almost because it's things have changed and moved around so quickly that once we get back to a week between games, maybe things will kind of settle down. We will see people flocking towards those players who are doing better over the course of a longer period. Um, I don't know. I I, it, I think that it's one to w- w- wait and watch on, as you say, but equally it might be worth jumping on a few of these players. Uh, at least you'll get a bit of money towards your, uh, your final wildcard player towards the, your final wildcard team towards the end of the season. Right. Uh, next question uh, is a little bit about, uh, it kind of st- stuck to this actually. Uh, so uh, King BVM asked about Rashford because Rashford went down the tunnel with a fire strain. Um, after the uh, during the Man United Bournemouth game, and so it's, I'm going to kind of twist this question a little bit and making it into a question about mid price forwards because he asked, should we sell Martial or sell Rashford? Sorry, after the injury. Um, but in terms of mid price forwards, Nick, are there any players that you're particularly looking at and thinking are going to really be useful over the next kind of period? Because I think that they may have a role to play, especially if people are going to be selling Kane to produce the power five midfield that we've been seeing a lot of people uh, wielding so far. I think um, there are obviously a few options out there in that mid-price bracket. Um, one of the ones actually we, which we didn't cover in um, Market Forces was Callum Wilson, um, who's been sold quite heavily. And we're seeing actually transfers for, for Jimenez and, and Rashford. But Wilson um, hasn't actually returned um, since game week 15. I guess a few people are starting to, to lose patience with him as a an option. But I think Jimenez, Jimenez is definitely the one to to still keep an eye on. Um, he, he's just generally been performing week in, week out for Wolves, getting lots of chances, like you mentioned earlier, in terms of goal attempts. Um, he's right up there, you know, competing with the likes of um, Kane, which, you know, is fantastic. He's at 62 goal attempts compared to, to Kane's 64. And, you know, he's now got, he's only got six goals to his name, but he's, there are definitely chances. And I think um, he's, he's pretty much nailed on in that Wolves team as well. And then Wolves fixtures aren't, too bad. I mean, they mixed, I guess. They've got Crystal Palace, City, Leicester, West Ham, Everton in, in their next five. But um, Jimenez is definitely the one I like at that sort of 6.2 price. Um, the other one we talked about um, before going live actually was Danny Ings, and he's, he's one of my men at the moment. But he, um, I'm a bit worried about Ings, to be honest. I'm a bit concerned. He only played 61 minutes against Ham, uh, West Ham, 64 against Huddersfield, and not at all against Manchester City. And they've got um, Chelsea up next. So I think he's definitely one to, to watch out Um at the moment, a little bit worried about um, his game time. But, uh, you know, he is uh, dirt cheap, which is what I like about Danny Ings. He only <laughs> cost me 5.5 million. Yeah, so, um, you know, that kind of outlay in terms of my attack. I've got Albamiang, but I've got, you know, Danny Ings and success, which only cost me a total of 10 million. And that really gave me sort of that money to invest on those other midfielders. So I think Ings is, is definitely one to consider, but he doesn't seem to be the right guy to bring in maybe at this moment in time. Um, and then, of course, there's, there's Mitrovic. He's been a bit of a, a troll this season, but he's, he's, he's still worth sort of considering, I think. Um, the underlying stats have been pretty decent for him. And, you know, he, he does look a danger and he does look like he could score any time, but he, he doesn't score half the time as well. Yeah, and he needs the service, doesn't he? I, I think that the two, the two. I mean, with Callum Wilson, there's an interesting thing there, isn't there? Because I think over the first 10, 11 game weeks of the season, absolutely essential. That guy was on fire. We've seen a bit of a downturn recently, and that has coincided with the fixtures. He and Bournemouth both seem like fixture-sensitive teams. Who knew? Um, I mean, they've got Watford, Everson and West Ham the next three. So perhaps if you were looking to you know, sell Kane to try to make a, a Salah or a Hazard move, he could be the man to bring in. But um, I think, yeah, it's, it's looking really at 
really like Jimenez or uh, or Ings are the two. I mean, uh, Wolves actually after Man City game in game week twenty two embarking a run with it. They don't play any of the top uh, top six until game week thirty when they play Chelsea. Um, after Man City in game week twenty two, they've got Leicester in game week twenty three, followed by uh, West Ham, Everton, Newcastle, Bournemouth, Huddersfield, and Cardiff. The Huddersfield and Cardiff looking quite good back to back again. The issue with Jimenez, of course, is that Wolves, with all their financial uh, muscle, could well bring in a player um, during the uh, during the winter transfer window, uh, which would completely make him end up, you know, sh- job sharing, which would diminish his uh, attractiveness very, very quickly. With Ings, it's the other case. I mean, I know you're worried about his minutes, but I think the, the reality is that he's coming back from a backlog of serious injuries, had another injury recently, and he's been given the 60 minutes, 70 minutes, 80 minutes, and that Harzen Hootel is really giving uh, Saints the time, isn't he, to bed in with his particular high-pressing, gegenpress, clop light, Austrian version of a German system. Um, and after Chelsea, you know, they do have, a, again, another little run where they between game weeks 22 and 26 don't play uh, a top six team and those are really important for these players like with these guys they're not particularly fixture proof i mean every now and again you do get a mares character you get a josh king character um you know uh, the sort of guy who you can play in every game probably going to be okay uh, with these sorts of guys yeah you'll get a goal occasion like wilson scored against man city um but looking at the fixtures and looking out for these guys is very important as we saw in talisman theory and the next one in talisman theory that we predicted is going to be looking good actually isings uh between uh between 23 between 22 and 26 so you know, there could be something there and in terms of utility the price is so good for a danny Ings. is it 5.7 5.8 years now I think you brought him in a, a little he's, bit. Five point six at the moment, 5. so, 5. so he, he is very, he's very cheap. I think in, in terms of Rashford, it's definitely a sort of watch and wait for the press conference um, before making any decisions. He does seem like very good value for what he's offering, um, seven point two. But then there is also that threat of Lukaku, who's um, who's coming back from injury, and um, I'm not going to say he's looking fit, but uh, <laughs> you know, he's it's, it's looking like a danger um, in terms of Rashford's. Uh, minutes and so we could see some rotation with Rashford but I think yeah definitely in terms of that, that forward um, position in, in we've been saying it all season there's really not that many people to pick from you've only got a choice about six or seven sort of likely lads and um, Firmino now being the seventh um, of that batch after his hat trick but you know um, we, we will probably see some more players reclassified next season Richarlison probably is a definite he's going to be reclassified as forward and, and Mo Salah as well is most likely going to be a forward next season which will definitely mix things up a little bit in terms of who we look at and who we pick but at the moment a lot of people have been going you know quite cheap and up front myself included and investing in midfield which I think is worth the strategy Exactly. I mean, I think next season what's going to be interesting is to see those guys actually upgraded. I think you're looking probably at Richarlison, what, 8 million, 8.5? Looking at Salah, obviously, matching Kane and being the same sort of price. Because this year, what what we have had is we've had a bit of a deficit in options between a certain price bracket. (laughs) <laughs> so you had your Vardy at nine, yeah, Firmino, Firmino at nine point five, yeah, La- Lacazette sitting around nine point five. Below them, what have you got? You've got Morata, you've got Giroud, and then it went all the way down from there, all the way to seven point zero of Arnautovic and Zaha. So that meant that 
you were either forced you were forced into kind of a, a two fairly big guys like a really premium mid-priced and cheapy strategy or you're forced into a three five two like we don't have the option of having somebody around 8.59 that's actually fairly viable like Vardy has filled that role in the past but he hasn't been able to do that this year it might be interesting to see if Richarlison becomes that guy because to be honest, if you do have a striker who is playing every week which Richarlison would be um has a decent element of threat which Richarlison does have like that kind of guy could really fill a lot of uh fill a lot of holes couldn't he yeah, definitely. I think um, you mentioned Onatovic. He's definitely the other one to watch. He could potentially fill that hole again once he's comes back from injury. But uh, so a bit wrong. <laughs> but uh, seven point zero, he's he's doing quite... a comic kitten theme there. <laughs> so but he's, he's still quite good value at 7.0 in terms of a sort of second or third forward for ourselves but yeah yeah you're definitely right it has you know there's not been too many options up front you know it's danny welbeck daniel sturridge so <laughs> <laughs> a few no, weird not. likely men out there but no nah, um yeah exactly really. I mean, you mentioned Firmino a second ago. That's probably worth just speaking about quickly. Um, I mean, we know that he's a very streaky player, like around Christmas last year. When we were at the FPL meetup last year, weren't we, on the Friday night when he scored a brace? And then that kind of started off a chain of events when he scored, what, basically every week? I mean, he scored about 60 points in the course of about five game weeks, six game weeks. I had a Christmas last year, and then it all fell apart then, so hopefully it's the reverse this year. Um, but, you know, uh, could Firmino be somebody that people are looking at? I mean, uh, I think that Mane... Uh, being able to cover Salah has been debunked, but Bobby back in uh, if he does move back to the centre forward role, do you think that he could be somebody, especially with get Liverpool's uh, fixtures post game with twenty two to look at? Well, I think it's the concern that he is playing deeper than Mo, and you know he's getting less points than him, so he's obviously he scored a hat trick, and that's great to see, and it might mean you know an uprising form in terms of Firmino, and he starts to actually be um, an FPL asset again, which he has the potential to be. But I think um, it's definitely one to watch. Uh, for myself, I'm actually thinking about tripling up um, on Liverpool by, by getting two defenders as well. So, you know, it can eat into your plans in terms of how you cover Liverpool if Firmino fills one of those three Liverpool slots that you have. So it's always worth considering as well. Um, so he's not one that I'm, I'm racing to bring in. And, you know, I would probably say it's not a good idea if you're thinking about covering Salah by getting Firmino in. But he's definitely worth um, considering. He's definitely an option. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was blipping on the stats, wasn't he, um, over the over the Christmas period? He's actually a joint third for uh, attempts with 19. And he's in the top five, I think it is, for shots in the box with 13, uh, level with uh, Austria's finest Ashley Barnes. Um, so, you know, maybe we're all sitting up ticking form now. Now he's got his form back. Who knows? Um, uh, links to this, it seems to be all about this sort of kind of configuration around the top. I mean, you mentioned actually, didn't you, earlier on, that since your wildcard, you haven't changed your defence, or you've only changed one player or something mad like that? Yeah, that's true. I, I was quite impressed myself, actually, because I somehow... Um, <laughs> yeah, I looked at the ownership amongst the defenders and owned five of the top six. So I've had Juan Bissaka since the start of the season. Um, I've also had Robertson since the start of the season, got Alonso in game week three and a Doc, Doc T on my wild card. And, and Luca Dean's been the only one that's come in since then in, in game week 13, I think. So it's been a while since I've changed my defence. And this is it's nice to not have a problem at the back, to be honest, just to kind of yeah. have these guys sort of sitting there doing their business. I mean, there's TIA is the other one in that top six, and he's the one that I'm, I want to bring in. But I, I don't know who to sacrifice actually out of the defence. I know 
Alonso's sort of like the, the talking point at the moment. But even he kept a clean sheet and got some points this game week. So, and he's been, you know, he's, he's the post merchant, as we keep talking, calling him. Five mentioned on the FPL show, indeed. I think everybody in FPL knows that he's hit the post five times more than any other player. Yes, we know, we know we've lost so many points. Worth talking about Alonso then, Nick. We've got a few questions on him. Um, obviously, the most expensive player uh, at, the, in, at the back and also the highest owned player at the back. So that week, the 15-pointer does come. It's going to hurt a lot of people if they have started selling. And, you know, I was speaking to Mars, for example, um, from the Free Amigos the other day, and he was saying, well, maybe it is time for me to sell Alonso. I think he did actually sell Alonso because it's time to strike a new path or whatever. Because every, we live in fear, don't we, of an Alonso Hall. Um with Alonso, what what are you looking at doing with him? Um, because that's a lot of budget, and you could turn him into what you know TAA, and then suddenly you've got uh, at face value this is suddenly you've got one point seven million to play with, or even turning him to Van Dyke, and you've got zero point four to play with. Um, what are your views on the on the lusciously he- lusciously locked Marcos? So, yeah, so I'm not going to get rid of him in the immediate future. Uh, there are always other ways to, to make the money that I need for my transfers. And Alonso still is, he's not top of my sort of list of players to sell, despite the fact that, you know, he hasn't he hasn't had many attacking returns. I think his last attacking return was actually in game week 11, where he got an assist against Crystal Palace. I still think the goals will come with him. He's only, he's been unfortunate. He's only scored one goal this season, um, which is unlike him because last season he scored seven, the season before he scored six. And, you know, every time I watch Chelsea, you see him, he's always lurking around that penalty box. He can't, you know, it's sort of like a manager's worst nightmare in the fact that, you know, he's like, come on, man, you've got to defend every so often. But he doesn't. He's, he's just lurking around trying to, you know, get on the end of a cross or trying to get involved. And that's, that's nice to see, I guess, as an owner. You always know that he's got that threat. And, and still, in terms of returns, he's the second highest scoring defender in the game. Only one point behind Robertson. He's picking up those clean sheets every time Chelsea get a clean sheet. And they've had second most clean sheets out of all Premier League teams this season, only just behind Liverpool. So, you know, he's still getting returns from all those clean sheets, which is great to see in terms of an ownership. I mean, I could downgrade into TAA, which is an option, frees up about 1.7. But I'm not in a rush to, you know, in terms of actual midfielders, only three midfielders are outscoring him, only two forwards are outscoring him, and all those players are about twice his price as well. So... You know, I don't see. I just can't be bothered to sell him. I'm happy holding <laughs> him, and bother, I, I think he's got 48 percent ownership. So if I do sell him and miss a haul, you know, I'm screwed, like you said. So oh, that's the yeah, thing. What's, like, what's the point? I was speaking about this with David Monday. Like, you just don't get the fear with any defender apart from Alonso, do you? Like, you get the fear with a lot of players. Like, you get the fear with Kane. You get the fear with Salah. Dear God, you get the fear with Salah. Never sell Salah, kids. But you get the fear with Salah. With Alonso, I don't really get the fear with Robertson. Maybe I should, but I don't. But with Alonso, you just get that kind of feeling that a 12-pointer, a 15-pointer could just be down the road. But there are loads of intrepid souls that have done the viable swap, in my view, uh, from Alonso to David Luiz. I mean, David Luiz has actually outscored Alonso basically every week, I think, since game week 13, for example. So there definitely is value for money there. It's kind of like the premium of fear that you're paying for him, right? Like, uh, 
to some extent, though, I mean, the next few for Chelsea are very, very good. Um, apart from Arsenal away in game 23, which, let's be fair, that's not a difficult fixture because we can't defend at the moment, can we? Uh, but the next five are amazing. Like, you know, Southampton at home, Newcastle at home, game 21 22. I'm doubling up on Chelsea there. Uh, game 23, Arsenal away. God, I'd triple up for that. <laughs> but game 24, Bournemouth away, 25, yeah. Huddersfield. Yeah, Bournemouth are Irish as well, aren't they? They, they can't, can't defend. defend. They can defend. So, you could easily see, yeah, you could easily see yourself. So Alonso, and he could have three clean sheets, maybe four clean sheets, a couple of goals, and assist in those fixtures. I know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just like, and I know it's um, you know, a premium paying a premium for fear, and you know, if you you could take that gamble and say, actually, I, I predict the TAA will outscore Alonso in his next five, where they've got City, Brighton, Crystal Palace, Leicester, and West Ham, but uh, I don't know. I, I it's it's not for me to be honest. <laughs> I'm happy to hold Alonso. I think he will get returns. You know, he's been plodding along with the occasional clean sheet in the last five or six games. Um, you know, and they're not too much in terms of attacking returns, unfortunately, for a long time. But, you know, it, it will come with him. We've seen him go on, you know, scoring streaks before in the Premier League in the last few seasons. And and he's still up there in terms of the underlying stats. He's, he's, he's joined top for you know, shots for defenders alongside Doherty and, and he passes the eye test. He's always in the box, you know, creating chances. And, you know, and yeah, I think for me, he's a premium defender. I'm not looking to disinvest at the moment in defence. So I'll, I'll be holding him, I think. But that's, that's, my, that's my opinion anyway. Absolutely. It's worth giving a quick shout out to the FPL gift that is Matt Doherty. Like, what's the player that guy is? Like, if you just watch him for Wolves, he's basically playing right wing, isn't he? Like, you know, whoever's there, Cavaliero, Costa, that guy might as well not exist. It's Matt Doherty bombing down the wing, getting in the box. There were times in that Wolves game he was on the penalty spot. Like, absolutely ridiculous, that guy. Um, absolutely crazy. Like five, he's got what created five chances in the last six. Got an assist, obviously, this week. Uh, he's also uh, near the top for, for for attempts for defenders over the course of the season. I think he's near the top penalty box touches, isn't he? As well, you got yeah. obviously Sean Morrison, the juggernaut Sean Morrison. He's probably got the lowest, the the, the most under underperforming in terms of XG. Did you just anybody. do some like keep keep him up in one game or something in the box? I don't understand how Morrison's getting so many touches in the penalty box. But... I have absolutely no idea. I think it's every clean every uh, every set piece is basically Camarasa just smashes it towards Morrison's face and hopes it goes. Goes in like proper like, got proper like, kind of like a slab head type. Oh, that's it. He's, he's got proper like Maguire slash hoof visage about him. I think Leicester must have a policy where they only get players in with massive faces. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely definitely visible with Morrison. Uh, just to digress even further, uh, that, that he seems to be the, the main target of everything. But no, Matt Doherty, we got him at what 4.4? 4. 4. 4. Like, 4, yeah. That guy is that guy is just crazy. Like, I, I find it very difficult to understand why people don't have him. If you do have, if you do, like, obviously there's lots yeah. of players I don't have, so I, I, I'm bang to rights for, um, you know, missing out on the central players. But Doherty, four point four or you know, four point five, six, seven, even if, even at his price right now, uh, you know, level, uh, he's actually more expensive than Luca Dean and TAA at five point two. But even at that price, you've got to be thinking that's value for money. Yeah, I think so. I mean, even this game week, I actually benched him this game week, but he came off the bench because Danny Ings didn't play, so I got a cheeky oh, five points from him against weird. Spurs, which was, was very nice, uh, not a nice little reward for me. But um, yeah, I mean, he's just been unbelievable, just just getting goals and assists. He's just returning constantly. I mean, 
he's just yeah i'm a big fan of his three goals for assists so far this season and just yeah he's leading all the underlying stats in terms of goal threat within the box um and he's he's a definitely a hold for me and uh yeah oh, absolutely. Uh, no, absolute champion if, he, if he's in if he's injured that's the only reason he's going to leave my team but you know he, he's a prime seven dwarfs he's the prime of the seven dwarfs isn't he doc he's, he's not going anywhere next season what what we're we looking at what five 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 we will probably get pva pricing 5.5 just yeah. unless he goes to chelsea or something and then he'd be six so, yeah know, he's, he's not like the most skillful player at times like you look at him you watch him play and you think mm, okay but it's just the positioning isn't it and the fact that he bombs forward because he's got three at the back yeah, that, that's just it, you can't put a price on that can you really right back to the questions we actually do have questions to answer nick i completely forgot about them uh one up top uh christopher moffat asks us if a lone forward is an option uh, to reach the power five midfields uh quite an interesting one so chris has got um just kane and he's uh flanked him with uh, success and uh disrespecting the team general uh camera uh, camera, camera yeah. uh, to try to get a very very strong four five one so i think you're looking at what robertson alonso at the back and you're looking at what hazard salah a Man City player of probably Felipe and then uh, you know, a Pogba or something like that in your midfield. Like, do you think that's viable given the fact that we've spoken about the lack of uh, value in the mid in the, in the striking option? Well, presumably he's got someone like AWB as well in his team. And and the problem with that, I think, going sort of a Kane camera success or Aubameyang camera success um, front line is it does really weaken your bench at the end of the day because camera. I mean, he has been playing a little bit, probably not going to be playing after his, you know, latest, um, you know, team row, whatever happens. Um, success seems to be out of the team again. Um, Dini seems to be back in. So I think with that, with, with that sort of front line, you do have a really sort of rubbish bench at the end of the day. And it does put you at risk, I guess, uh, of, you know, fielding a 10-man team or getting those camera minus one points off the bench or something like that, you know. So at the end of the day, I think, you know, it's a strategy, but I, I would still probably try it. I mean, I've got a pretty weak front line of sort of Aubameyang Ings um, success, like I mentioned, but I would still try and, and find an extra million somewhere to just, you know, invest it in your front line just so you've got someone at least that's com- relatively competent that can come off the bench or, or play um, when required. And, you know, Jimenez, again, isn't that much more expensive, about 1.8 million that you should be able to fund from somewhere by, by sacrificing, you know, you know, like Spodba can give you a power five, but not, not a too expensive power five and Richarlison and Felipe Anderson as well. And you're, you're not looking at too weak a team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we were talking about the very start of the season, weren't we, about the fact that you've got the value at the back, uh, further back that you go um, a lot in the positions, you've got more value. And, you know, Doherty, what, 4.4 and uh, Camera 4.3. Look at the value difference there between the two players. It's, you know, in different stratospheres almost. Um, with United, I guess you might already kind of, General Zoz just said this actually as well, um, that with the United resurgence and you have a Martial at 7.3 and you have a Pogba at 8.1, those could be players who do return points per million above uh, the sort of uh, baseline that would mean that you have a power five midfield anyway, which probably means that you're able to fit in a better player than somebody, you know, like uh, like success in Cat or camera, uh, maybe having an Ings there at the very least. I do think Ings is going to be all right towards end season, to be honest. Um, 
A couple more kind of uh, prosaic questions towards the end then. Um, FPL logic. Uh, Benoit asks, is there any logic to FPL? What do you think, Nick? Is there any logic? Am I a logical person? Am I doing well? No. I don't know. Are I don't you a know. logical person? Yes, you are. Are you doing well? Yes. Well, I had a thought about this question. I thought, you know, one of the most famous and most popular logical games out in the world is, is chess. And uh, I've been following Magnus Carlsen, actually, a little bit this season. He's a um, chess grandmaster, number, rank, number one ranked player in chess in the world. You know, amazing chess player, obviously. And he's actually bossing it in terms of FPL as well this season. He's he's up to 244th in the world, sort of, sort of showing a strategy of no mercy with some of his FPL assets. Um, he brought in Dean for his... Um, 17 point haul in, in game week 18 in, in game week 19 he got in Rashford and Pogba um, and he's got 96 points 77 points in the last couple of game weeks and I think there's you could say there's there's no logic to FPL it's all you know we're very whimsical and we're all down to luck but when you see this kind of guy sort of come into the scene and just dominate from the offset and you know other sort of world-class managers Mark Southern's um, you know massive example I think there's a clear indication that there is some logic and these these guys very logical players very intelligent players uh, um, are clearly you know making the right decisions to to sort of dominate and, and boss it to, to a certain extent. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, um, I work in uh, financial services. I work in stock, uh, stocks and uh, fi- other financial instruments, which we will not go into here. Um, and a lot of the time, the best traders, the people who make a shed load of money um, on, on the markets, are those people who are coldly analytical, looking at the numbers, uh, completely devoid of emotion, like looking at, you know, we talk about our FPL players as assets a lot. I think a lot of people do look at their FPL players and look at them as players and say, "Oh, I really like him. He's great. Like you know, he, he's he, Pogba's fantastic. You know, he, smile. I, I love the way, I love the way he dan- dances uh, when he scores. And uh, you look at players and you think, oh, you know, uh, you know, Callum Wilson, what a troll, as uh, FPL chancer Dan has just said. Like we look at these players like that, and maybe there is some some merit or something in looking at players as literally just game. Uh, game pieces, game elements, and thinking, oh, okay, who's going to, uh, you know, outperform their utilities and do better than that? And that seems to be the way that Carlson's done it almost. Um, um, he's viewing I, them as chess pieces. He's got his bishop, he's got his knight, he's got his <laughs> queen and king. You know, like, and, and he's moving and he's moving them around the board, and and the, and he's getting the right, putting them into the right places. At the end of the days. So, like, uh, yeah, he's 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 doing. Excellent, isn't he? Yeah, I assume he's. I, I'd assume as a chess player, he's got quite a checkered history. But um... <laughs> that's terrible. That's <laughs> terrible. Oh dear. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing he's gonna. He he's winning FPL in 38 moves. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, the final question uh, of of our written questions um, before we wrap up this for a kind of to close the pod, and then we'll we'll kind of just be here and mess around for a bit. Um, is on H2 Target. So our mate uh, FP, FPL Awesome um, asks us uh, who are our top targets for the new year uh, yeah so this is obviously the new year's eve eve uh, at the end of for me a horrendous year of fpl for you nick a very uh, very very uh, successful year of fpl and isaac successful year of fpl hold the baileys um 
who are our top targets for the new year? Who are you looking at, Nick, at bringing in? And uh, maybe um, if you could give me as well, maybe a, a, a player who could emerge over the course oh. of the year rather than just telling me Hazard or something. Well, yeah, I think Hazard would be the one I'm planning on bringing in, which, of course, probably going to be derailing my season because whenever I bring him in, he, he just punished me. So I think Hazard, probably the one that I'm bringing in. I mean, Son, I'll have to be setting anyway. And... Um, Chelsea's fixture run does concern me, but um, I have to think about it, to be honest now. He set me a bit of a question and, and like emerging players, uh, you know, there's obviously lots of young talent out there, you know, like Phil Foden at Manchester City, but I don't think he's going to be seen too much um, in terms of this particular campaign. Um, I'm trying to think now. Actually, uh, do, you want, do you want to go first and maybe come back to me or do you have anyone? Yeah, well, I, I I do love to leave you flailing, but no, I'll come in. Um, I, th- I think it's interesting to look at players who are undervalued and perhaps um, could emerge over the course of the season uh, after having a bit of a stop-start H1. And uh, players like that are oh, Christian Eriksen, for example, 9.3, uh, El Deli Ali, uh, 8.9, and those sorts of players who, uh, for whatever reason, haven't been the template, haven't really been in our thoughts too much. I mean, that was probably why I was looking at Kevin De Bruyne. The the risk of those players is writ large with buying Kevin De Bruyne because obviously they're coming back from something, which means they're probably not going to be ready to go just yet. Uh, but when these players do get in their stride, um, you might, if you can spot them early and jump on them early, um, get quite a lot of value out of them. You know, you've got even got like, dare I say it, a player like Mesa Ozil at 8.0. Um, Arsenal, um, I noticed this earlier, actually have a great run in. Um, so after Man United in game week 30, between game week 31 and 30, uh, 38. We don't play any of the top t- six teams. Um, uh, double game weeks permitting, of course. Um, but I mean, I it, if he decides that he can't bother to play, then fair enough. But over that sort of period, you could be looking at a player like him and thinking, well, that might be a really good uh, you know, little differential if he does come back and comes in. Yeah, I think I don't know about well, so I think Ericsson and Ali, Ericsson and Ali definitely are interesting cases. Ali is actually a player that I have been considering in terms of because um, I'm going to be selling Son and I'm thinking maybe I can't afford Kane and Spurs do have a brilliant fixture run, so it'll be good to get Ali in. Perhaps um, Lucas Moura, perhaps as well, will will step up to the plate in, in Son's absence. He's he's pretty kindly priced. I think in terms of emerging talents as well, like Camaras and, and Billing look really good as well at 4.5 million. Uh, Billing's actually yeah. um, hit the post almost as many times as Alonso this season. <laughs> so uh, he's definitely one to, to keep an eye on. Um, and, you know, they don't play for great clubs. So it might be that it's not really their season, but, you know, they move on in the summer. Uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson's another great player that's always worth um, monitoring. Um, He's fourth for goal attempts um, out of all midfielders with 47. He's also a very creative player. He's on a lot of set pieces for Everton. Um, he's a player that I had at the beginning of the season was smashing the metrics, but not getting me any attacking returns. But, uh, you know, he's, he's <laughs> he definitely was. one to always keep an eye on as sort of like a, a kindly priced um, midfielder. Yeah, fair enough. I, th- I think um, for me, um, as a no Salah owner, it's an obvious answer. It's probably going to have to be Mo Salah. Um, if I'm looking at any other player, um, Hazard, needs to come in too. Um, I think what might be interesting is um, monitoring City because the pendulum has swung away from them at the moment. Um, as you pointed out, I think on our Slack earlier on, um, after Liverpool, they've got Wolves at home, Huddersfield, Newcastle away and Arsenal at home. That's a decent little run. And then from game week 28, 
um, all the way until game week 35. Again, blanks and doubles for missing. They've got a nice run, which only has a Manchester derby in game week 31 in the middle. So that's uh, seven games where they don't play anyone in the top six. Um, again, that could be a period where we're looking at Man City players and thinking bye, bye, bye. Right. Uh, so uh, just to just to come to the end here, and Nick, uh, who's your captain next week going to be? Um, I've got in Aubameyang um, at the you, moment. You bought it? Uh, did you buy? No, you didn't buy him. You haven't got Kane, have you? I haven't got Kane, so it's a relatively easy decision for me. I mean, I could go for uh, Hungman Son, I could go for Pogba, but um, nah, I'm, I'm going to stick with the forwards. Stick, you know, I still think that Fulham are probably the worst defence in the league, despite um, a random uh, clean sheet, which mentioned that Tim Ream was in the uh, team of the week. But, uh, <laughs> um, if that's even his name, I don't know if it is or not. Yeah, Tim Ream. Things going to get better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think I still think, um, and you know, Aubameyang a shocker as well this game week as oh, well. It's fairly so touchable, but I still think. Um, I still think he's going to be my captain. I think he's going to smash it. So, yeah, I'm going for him. If you bring it... Uh, so, for me, I've brought in Hazard now. I've got Aubameyang, and it's very, very close from thing between those two. Uh, with uh, with Giroud injured... Um, oh, wow. Okay. It's a big sigh at my, my Hazard bike. Oh, no. <laughs> Thinking about it. Yeah, I'd be too scared to captain Hazard, but that's perhaps me playing <laughs> non-logical and you know I've got logic behind it all, and actually Hazard is the best option. So. Yeah, Nicholas Carlson over here, and um, I, I think uh, it's a it's a close run thing between those two. I think because Aubameyang was taken off what seventy minutes, um, I think it's probably going to be okay for Fulham. A uh, quick note, by the way, I would wouldn't be too surprised at all to see Unai Emery go for the uh, Europa League, um, very very hard, um. I just wouldn't be shocked by that at all because I don't think that we've got much of a chance of getting into top four this year. I mean, obviously, I hope we do, but I don't think we are going to. And I think that as the as a serial uh, Europa League winner with Sevilla, um, I think that he will be really looking at that as a route for the Champions League for Arsenal. Um, so I think that keep your eyes peeled uh, once the European competitions kick in again around the January and February uh, for a lot of Aubameyang rotation, a lot of him playing in the in the in the Europa League and a lot of Lacazette playing in the Premier League, which may be an option, uh, create an option to buy Lacazette. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It might probably be between him and it's between um, obviously Aubameyang on New Year's Day or uh, or Hazard and delaying the delaying the pain until uh, until the second of January. I'm, I'm not too sure yet, but at the moment it's on Aubameyang. I said on the FPL show I was going to captain Aubameyang, so maybe I should actually captain Aubameyang for the first time since Fulham. So I meant to captain him against Burnley, and I got sort of swapped over onto Sterling and that didn't go very well so maybe I'll just leave it now, who knows um, just in case you've forgotten who we are um, just to record the end of this, uh, we are uh, Who Got Resist? You can ask on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and thank you very much again um, for following us and liking us and putting up with everything that we write and uh, tweet um, yeah, it's amazing to get to 18,000 followers um, before the, before uh, the end of 2018. So, yeah, thank you very much for that. Uh, if you want to join our league, we are uh, 516-441. And we will be back in Game Week 21 with Adam Hopcroft, um, which will be really, really cool to see. You know, Adam has completely taken off this year, uh, providing amazing stats and uh, amazing insight um, into, into the numbers behind the game. And uh, I know you're quite excited about speaking to him, aren't you, Nick? Yeah, it should be a great guest to have on the pod. Really looking forward to it. Oh, um, yep. So uh, have a happy new year, everybody. And we hope to assist you and we'll speak to you soon. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.